Welcome back to the pro- uh, the program. Glad to have you. The Bill Michaels Show on the air. And we are uh, glad you are with us today. And the final hour begins. We're going to hear at the bottom of the hour from uh, Brandon Woodruff, pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers, is going to be joining us. You're going to hear that conversation. In the meantime, uh, we go to our buddy Steve Ashburner, uh, senior writer for the NBA, NBA.com. Based out of Chicago, but uh, apparently he carries bolt cutters with him in the uh, in the, <laughs> in the part time, as uh, he was right there in Memphis next to the woman that decided to chain herself to the stanchion. Steve, how you doing, man? I'm good, Bill. Yeah, we uh, we deploy our people. I, I think my bosses uh, sit and they try to predict what's going to be a more competitive and interesting series, and I think they they saw Bulls Bucks as uh, a little too lopsided. So I am uh, I'm doing Memphis Minnesota. Um, at least through at least through four games, and then we'll see where that stands. So, yeah, I was going to say, ask you about that. The, the protester, yeah. Um, you know, I couldn't quite see what was going on. Um, my first thought was, how do you get a chain into an arena where everybody's passing through metal detectors, they're getting wanded, bags are being checked, and then you know, when I watched replays of it, it looked almost like it was a hard plastic chain, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you know any different, but that's my that's my um, assessment from from watching that. But yeah, they um, uh, security people went over there and uh, they picked her up bodily. She fought for a moment or two, and she was getting nowhere. And they carried her uh, head first um, on her side. Um, she didn't look happy, and they carried her, you know, along the baseline, and then right out the tunnel near where I was, I was sitting, and uh, yeah, it was a little bit of comic relief um, yeah. at that point. Um, I'm not sure what uh, what's being accomplished. Um, obviously, they're going for awareness. Um, I don't know the details of the uh, Glenn Taylor chicken farm situation, um, but um, yeah, you know, that's where we're at these days. Well, now that's the reason it's must-see TV tonight, to see if something actually culminates. <laughs> that, that's, I mean, tonight I'm going to be flipping back and forth between the Brewers game and, and, the, and the Minnesota Timberwolves game just to see what's next. Because first of all, you had somebody that didn't use the best of glue, tried to glue herself to the court, and now this. So what, what next uh, step do they take? Now, have you heard? I don't even know. Was it the same woman or was it a... a no, it was a different woman. Okay. All right. I didn't yeah, know if they were one. traveling or whether they have, uh, you know, home offices in these various markets. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it, uh, you know, so, yeah, will they escalate? I mean, it's hard to say. I got to think that there'll be a, a greater awareness with um, security at the, uh, at the, at the, all the gates to FedEx yeah. Forum to, yeah, uh, to my... make sure they may, they may want, um, yeah, they, they, and I was going to say they could get people to open up their jackets and show their protest t shirts, but I suppose you can wad that up and put that on in a restroom or something uh before uh before you want to you know make your little uh stage uh demonstration but um yeah uh you know that's that's great i gotta you know we don't really hear much aftermath i mean i have not followed up right. in terms of a news sense to find out you know did she have to spend the night in the slammer um you know the only thing you can ultimately do is is dial up the punishment enough that that they know that uh, right. this isn't going to be a slap on the wrist. So to to stuff on the court, I guess, um, like you said, uh, the Bucks Bulls were somewhat boring, I guess. But uh, for the Bulls, 
that was probably the closest they've come to getting a win in a long time. Uh, they were down 16. They came storming back, made a few adjustments, uh, but Giannis and company sustained. And between Chris Middleton and, and Drew Holiday, they just weren't hitting their shots. Uh, but Brooke Lopez yeah. certainly seemed to be the key to the victory in that game the other day on Sunday. So that matchup, I think we all can say that I, I picked the, the Bucks to win that series four games to one. I mean, am I crazy in doing so? Yes, you are, Bill, because I picked it to be a sweep. Uh, so he gave the, the Bulls more credit than I did. Um, I, I just thought that they, uh, Chicago, the way they played uh, down the down the stretch of the season uh, last month or two, um, and where the Bucks are in terms of, you know, they had Lopez back and um, were ready to flip a switch to um, to hit this postseason hard. I just I just figured that this would be, uh, you know, over quickly. Um, the Bucks, for you know, for all sorts of reasons, I presume if they didn't want to, they should have wanted to uh, make a statement and and remind the Bulls that you know uh, just who the defending champions are and who's who's lucky to be in the postseason based on on the way they had played lately. But um, it's probably hard. I mean, Milwaukee dominated Chicago so much during the regular season and then had such um, success to start that game on Sunday that, you know, maybe focus wandered a bit for, for the Bucks. Um, it wasn't a good look for them in my view to um, let Chicago into that series because the Bulls, you know, probably, probably are full of themselves right now and maybe more, you know, more difficult out than, um, than they were going to be if, if Milwaukee had, you know, punched them hard in the nose and then punched them again. Um, I'll tell you that game to me was almost unwatchable though because of the horrible three-point shooting mm-hmm. um i get it i mean i know what the numbers guys say you don't have to be an analytical genius you can just do simple mathematics to understand that um you know the percentages of shooting threes versus twos and that's fine unless you're not making those threes and and yet both teams kept shooting them i know you know that's the, the game plan they're they they never think they're going to miss their next shot so they keep taking it from out there i just really was hoping one of those teams would decide you know what this ain't working let's go let's go inside and um you know that that to me would have been you know the, the better way to go i mean brooke lopez did have a good game but he was sort of indicative of the the whole game himself because he he was what six and nine on two pointers and one of five on three pointers mm-hmm. and um you know i sometimes i think this league uh, neglects the entertainment value it's not fun to watch you know 60 missed threes um i think it was in that ballpark i think the two teams combined for like 17 out of 70 something and um you know it, it it affects the game i mean threes when they're missed kick into long rebounds um you know that tends to trigger fast breaks maybe they're fine with that they think that that's exciting but to watch to watch professional players hoist three-pointers and and make shots about as frequently as, as you, you'd make down at the Y yourself and with your lunchtime pickup guys, I mean, it's just, it's not, um, I don't know, it gets frustrating. I, that's mm-hmm. the, the facet, and that's where the pendulum, I think, has swung too far is this, this blind adherence to the three-point game, you know, uh, or bust kind of a thing. Right. Well, that was Budenholzer's motto when he first got to town was let it fly. I mean, they had T-shirts yeah. made up. I mean, that was what they went by, was just threes beat twos, and let's take more threes and we take twos, and we're going to win more games that way. Yeah, I get it. I mean, I just think that there's a um, 
a factor of uncontrollability in there that um, if it's not your day and if you haven't found a hot hand by a certain point, somebody that you can rely on to make them today, um, if you're just going to play numbers percentages, I mean, uh, you know, I just I just think it's less interesting. It's just, well, mm-hmm. by God, we're going to keep shooting from out here and, and you know, that's uh, we'll take our chances, right. we'll shrug, and if we lose, so be it, or if the game's way closer than it should be because, you know, we, we didn't find other ways to pound our opponents. Um, you know, that, like I say, that, that was my beef with the game. Um, mm-hmm. the Bucks are a superior team. Um, you know, I still think maybe this is as close as Chicago gets and, and they'll feel a little bit better about themselves or, or whatever. But, um, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not budging off my prediction of a sweep until, until I have to. Uh, in the meantime, the Celtics get a dramatic last-second victory over the Nets. Uh, and, and I said all along, I thought the Nets coming into this would be a, an extremely tough team if they had everything going. And Kyrie, obviously, you know, going back and forth with the Boston fans. But ultimately, they didn't get a win. So what does that do to the Nets uh, losing that first game in that particular fashion with Kyrie even putting up 39? Well, he's a, you know, he's a pretty uh, uber-confident uh, slash cocky kind of a player. Um, he can tell us and even tell himself that he thrives in that sort of a uh, emotionally charged, um, raucous, even vulgar atmosphere. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that's true. I, you know, you, I think it's hard to win when you're taking on 18,000 people, any one of whom can set you off. And, you know, all the price, the only price that person plays is they might spend a night in a hooskow and, and lose their, their ticket. But, you know, your team, I mean, the Brooklyn Nets, um, they could lose their way and, and, and lose a playoff series over it. I mean, he's sort of challenging the fans to bring their nastiest and, um, and he engages with it. And, you know, it's one thing if you're aloof, if you're, you're bulletproof uh, to that sort of thing and you just stay away from it entirely. I, I don't know. He, he's a great wrestling heel at this stage, um, you know, publicly. And so mm-hmm. I guess that will be uh, that will be the aspect to watch with him. Talking with Steve Ashburner, NBA.com senior writer. You can find him on Twitter at Ash, A-S-C-H-N-B-A. You can find his stuff there. In the meantime, you had a pretty good one last night. Uh, Golden State just uh, destroyed last evening uh, the, uh, the, the Nuggets. And in doing so, the Nuggets started infighting, which I thought was rather interesting. But the Warriors talk about teams that can shoot the three between the Warriors and the Phoenix Suns, which I think those two teams are on a collision course to face one another. Uh, both of those teams can light it up from the outside. And last night was uh, no, no different for the uh, Warriors. Yeah. I mean, they've got, they've got a good core, um, at this point again. And when you've added Jordan Poole, um, to you know the Splash Brothers of uh, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, I mean those are those are snipers out there, and uh, you know that's tough to beat. And Denver's just they, we knew it coming in. We knew it when we a lot of people cast votes for uh, Nikola Jokic um, as MVP. I didn't have him number one, but he was certainly in that top three that everyone talked about. Um, they're just undermanned. I mean, no Michael Porter Jr., no Jamal Murray. Uh, they've 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 done well this season to get to the point that they did, you know, a six seed, but um, they don't have the firepower to keep up golden state at this, at this stage. So I would expect that to be uh, potentially another sweep. I didn't pick it, but uh, I can see that going that way at this point. 
The best team in the East, is it the Bucks, or do we look at, say, a team like the 76ers who just disposed of the Raptors, and they're up two games to none? Do we look at, uh, say, Brooklyn and say, hey, if they put it all together and they start playing and Kyrie just kind of remains focused, they're the best team? Who's the best team in the East? Well, I mean, I, you know, if, if I'm a, a Milwaukee fan, the team I have to keep my eye on most is uh, Miami. I remember what Miami did to Milwaukee a couple years ago in the bubble. And, yeah, there was payback last postseason when the uh, the Bucks swept them out. But um, there's no guarantee that it's going to stay that balance. It's going to stay the way it is. I think, uh, I think the Heat are playing extremely well. They've got their main pieces. Um, you know, Spolster is one of the top coaches in the league. Uh, they would be the team I would fear the most if I if I were the Bucks. I don't know. You know, they may they may just feel more confident against the Heat based last year, but uh, that's a pretty gritty team, and um, they seem to be on a mission. Philadelphia, I am never going to pick them um, as any sort of a favorite, uh, even in the in the conference or, or otherwise, as long as James Harden is there. I mean, I'm not a fan. I think he has to prove himself first. Um, I'm not going to concede anything to a team with James Harden in the playoffs. Uh, and before I let you go, I, I did want to ask you a little bit about uh, when you get to the West, is it the Warriors and the Phoenix Suns? The Warriors obviously didn't have the best record, but I think healthy, they're, the, they're to me, one of the top two the teams to beat. And I really like, obviously, Phoenix. And I think Phoenix is playing a chip with a chip on their shoulder for what they missed out on last year in the finals against the Bucs. It's, it's easy to say the best team with the best record in the NBA is the best. But I think those two teams, either one, are going to give the Bucks problem because the Bucks don't defend the three very well. Yeah, yeah. I think Phoenix is the best team in the league. I think they have everything they need um, at every spot. Um, I think Monty Williams has done a great job of first he built on an 8-0 little run in the bubble to get what they got last season. They made it to the finals. They were up 2-0. Um, couldn't close that out against Milwaukee to, to the Bucks' credit. But um, they've come back this year and just sort of marched along without, um, without interruption toward um, this point. And uh, I think they, you know, they're, I said it about Miami. I certainly believe it about Phoenix in terms of being on a mission. They, they have a very mature aspect to them. Um, you know, they're, they're uh, um, never get too high, never get too low, that cliche thing. It's uh, sort of the standard deviation is – is pretty small. They they do what they do. They don't get um, rattled much. And, uh, yeah, I think they're going to be in the finals, and I think they're probably going to be the champs. Great stuff as always, Steve. I appreciate it. We'll touch base uh, as the, uh, the NBA finals and the NBA postseason goes along, okay? All right, Bill. Thanks, buddy. Stay safe tonight. No glue. <laughs> yeah, no protest from me. <laughs> All right. Talk to you soon. There you go. Steve Ashburner from NBA.com, the senior writer there. Follow him over there on Twitter at NBA or at Ash, A-S-C-H-N-B-A, at Ash NBA, and you can see his stuff over on Twitter. Good, good stuff uh, from Steve Ashburner, who's going to be in attendance tonight checking on that sleeper cell of chicken protesters that's out there. Good stuff. Uh, let's do this. We're going to step away, take a quick break. Coming up, bottom of the hour, don't forget, you're going to hear the conversation we had a little bit earlier. Brandon Woodruff of the uh, Milwaukee Brewers. You're going to hear that conversation. It's coming up next on the Bill Michael Show. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
Glad to have you back. Bill Michaels Show. Bottom of the hour. Um, <laughs> Going to talk with Brandon Woodruff, uh, Brewers pitcher, here at the bottom of the hour. Jerry says, by the way, I uh, love chicken with tater tots. There you go. You have to you ask our, our buddy. cools a bit and begins to coagulate. <laughs> There you go. Coagulate. <laughs> the word of the day. I mean, I'm going to throw a flag there. That's kind of a ridiculous you, word to bring out on a sports you, show. You need to uh, play that uh, that sounder for the more you know. The old days. Can you use it in a sports sentence to describe something sporting? Um, poof. Let's see here. The answer could be no, and then I'll just delete it from my vocabulary. Um, yes, I can. Here we go. The spider tack Brandon Woodruff had on his arm was useless after it began to coagulate. Can you spell Impressed? it? Oh, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking this is like a, a spelling bee. C-O-A-G-U-L-A-T-E. Coagulate. Oh, all right. Did you, hey, you're not talking to some giant moron over here. Oh, I, I did, never thought that. <laughs> yes, you did. Everybody thinks it. I, I mean, think it helped, you know. Take pizza class in college? <laughs> no, but I, I I did when I was from like I was the time I was 10 years old, I worked in my uncle's restaurant, which was a uh, a really nice Italian place. So... But he never said coagulate. He barely spoke English. He spoke Italian most of the time. And most of the time, I think he was yelling at me. So. <laughs> hmm. There you go. There you go. Throw out the coagulation. You were impressed I could use it in a sports sentence. I just wondered where it would apply. Right. Yeah, there's not many places the word coagulate is going to apply. Uh, mainly, coagulation is used mainly in, in the reference of blood. That's what Did I you know that. Yeah, that's what yeah. I saw when I looked it up in the dictionary. Yeah, most of the time it's used in the uh, the the same sentence as blood when you have a cut or an injury, and the blood begins to coagulate, and then that's when the bleeding stops. So there you go. Learn something new every day, I guess. So the next time the brewers go on a skid, it's like, oh, we're really going to need their, their blood to coagulate here. Yeah. And next time they go on a skid, they uh, to stop the bleeding, they're going to have to coagulate as a team. There you go. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, speaking of coagulation in blood, uh, did you know the number one thing now for wedding receptions, I just read this. I didn't know this. What wedding wedding receptions are now? People that get, are getting married are trying to make their wedding receptions more memorable, rather than just doing the traditional, where you go there, you do a couple of dances, you play some music, you have a little cake, have a few beverages, and you leave. Now they're doing events. What is the number one thing that weddings are now beginning to do? I don't know if I want to know. Axe throwing. Huh. Small weddings of 50 or less are starting to go to axe throwing venues. 
Yeah. Axe throwing venues. And uh, beginning, so uh, speaking of blood and coagulation, can you imagine if there's a family fight at one of those? So if you're entertaining, they're doing everything from string quartets, bands, and venues such as axe throwing, beer tasting, brewery, microbreweries. There you go. They're putting all this stuff together. How about that? So the next time I, or the first time you get married, think about that. Going I don't know. Axe throwing venue. My family's more of a scenic somewhere on a nice field, not in the wild, but you know, mm-hmm. somewhere in the country, yeah. that kind right? of wedding. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even, I can't even imagine it. I, I don't, I don't want to do that again. I've had too many. I've had the big reception, and I've had the small reception. I've had the mid-sized reception. I've had the country reception. I've had the reception on a cruise ship, and the first one was your traditional great big, you know, tons of people. And but at the time I was getting married, I knew it wasn't going to last. So, <laughs> was was the marriage never able to coagulate? It was never coagulating. <laughs> no, it was never. Co- There's a whole, I, I tell you what, that is, that is a story when we're all sitting around drinking heavily. Put it this way, though. Everybody knew that that was not going to work. Have you seen the the TV show Succession? <laughs> uh, no. There is a very good scene in it where... A big family, one of the daughters is getting married, mm-hmm. and the mother, who was divorced but lived out in Europe, went around the wedding asking every single person what the over-under was of how long the wedding would last. Really? Okay. Yeah, I, uh, no, not, uh, now I know, for my first wedding, you could have walked around and asked everybody. My, uh, when I was literally at the altar in my first wedding, I kid you not, my friends, um, it, there's so much to this story. It's it's so long. But my friends were literally up there as the priest, Father Don McCarthy, God rest his soul, out of, uh, out of Cincinnati, Ohio, was giving the, you know, the vows. And my friends are up there going, you know, the fake sneeze of, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. You know, they were doing that, literally, you know. Hmm. Um. And then I got the wedding video back, and as the and it was a huge wedding party, huge wedding party. And as my best man circles into the pew in the front row, the what the camera is behind him, basically up near the altar, but it's facing up the aisle. Okay, so it's like over his shoulder, and he is looking towards everybody coming down the aisle. And I have stepped over to where the altar is, and the camera's over his shoulder, and, and pair by pair, here comes, you know, my groomsmen and the bridesmaids. And his girlfriend was in the wedding. <laughs> As he turns to the guy next to him, he looks almost dead into the camera, 
and points kind of nods with his head to his girlfriend, Missy, who's coming down the aisle. And my mom is devout. My mom was and my mom has passed away, but she was like incredibly devout Catholic. Right. Never swore nothing in my household. She is. So we're sitting around. We're all gathered watching this video. And my buddy looks almost square in the camera. He nods his head back towards Missy coming down the aisle with my great, big, huge 450 pound buddy. And he looks at the camera and says, eh, I'm tapping that. <laughs> and my mom about passed out. I knew that marriage wasn't meant to last. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> Man. God is my witness. I just, I just like melted. I'm sitting there with friends and my mom and her church group. And they all, this was the big debut of the wedding video. And so they had it on the TV and it came in a big VHS and slid the tape in. She's like, here it is. And the music is playing and she's, and it's got all this nice verbiage written on it. And the, the videographer did a great job. He just happened to catch that and you can't get rid of it, you know? And that's before sound editing equipment and all that stuff that was really there. And, and he, he looks right at the camera and says, I'm tapping that. And my mom and her church group, you could hear the collective gasp as they just about died. And all I did was go, okay, we're done with that. We're done with that. Uh, we're not quite sure what the rest of the video is going to reveal. So we're going to screen it first before we play any more of it. And then I pulled it out of the thing and, and off I went. All right, that's enough. So there you go. Uh, let's do this. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break. When we come back, Brandon Woodruff, pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers. You're going to hear that coming up next on the Bill Michael Show. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Program, the Bill Michael Show. Continuing on, this portion of the program brought to you by our friends at the Nice Ash uh, Cigar Bar, Hookah Bar, wines, whiskeys, all that kind of good stuff. Good scotches down there. 323 West Main Street, downtown Waukesha. And uh, stop in and tell uh, Crystal and Erin. Congratulate Erin. She's getting married. Uh, Crystal and everybody. Uh, you heard it here. Stop in. Good, good stuff. Maybe a victory cigar, if you will, for the Brewers tonight. Uh, speaking of the Milwaukee Brewers, on the hotline, Brandon Woodruff, pitcher for the crew. Brandon, how you doing? I'm good, man. Uh, just getting settled in, going from 90-degree uh, weather in Arizona to I don't think it seems to get above 45 here so far. So we're just waiting on the, the sun to keep peeking through and, and get, get warmer. So you're into the season. You're now 10, 11 games in. How long does it take you? Once you come out of spring training, it's kind of a weird scenario this year because it was a ramped-up, accelerated spring training. You get into the season, like you said, you leave warm Arizona. You go play in cold Chicago. you got to go down to Baltimore. You're finally back home. How long does it take you to get settled in? Uh, it takes a little bit. This this year has been, well, the last few years have, has been different as a whole. And, um I mean, if you really look at it, um, you know, the, the first couple outings of the season um, are still technically supposed to be spring training outings if you if you account for a full spring training. So, um, yeah, I mean, guys are, are still trying to get into a groove and, and get going, and it's such a, such a long year. And, 
but yeah, I mean, it takes a little bit to, to get settled in, but, but once you do, it's, it's, um, everybody's good to go. Uh, your first outing versus your second outing, is it a big difference as far as changes or video or what you did? Because the first one wasn't your best, obviously, but the second one you came out just dealing. Was there something you did or did you just start to feel better or get into a groove? Uh, just a couple mechanical changes. Like, like I mentioned, like it, it takes a little bit to get going for me. Um, but once I kind of nail some stuff down and, and can feel right, I feel like I can sustain that for a while. And, um, that doesn't necessarily mean results in a way because baseball game is, is, uh, is, is crazy. <laughs> so, um, but just, just trying to get to the point where I feel good. And I felt like the, uh, St. Louis compared to the Chicago, I was in a better spot in terms of being able to throw strikes and, and kind of do what I wanted to with the baseball. And, um, so now just trying to get more consistent with that and, you know, run along with that throughout the season. Uh, looking at all the preseason predictions, you guys are obviously picked to win the division in many different facets. Um, how difficult is it, though? And I try to explain this to people because they just say on paper, this is what it is. You know, Corbin's going to be dealing. You're going to be dealing. Then you look at Freddie and what he did last year. No problem. Pitching staff's great. But how tough is it to emulate last year when you have success to this year? Because yeah. it really is a different time. It's different. Um, you're, every team now has a DH. Um that makes up a little bit of difference. You're, you're not uh, facing a pitcher there sometimes in the lineup. Um, I mean, it's just the game of baseball is so difficult. Yes, we, we expect to have those same results or even better. Um, but it's going to be a different year. It's just it's a different time for baseball. Um, we don't know how the season is going to go. I wish I had a had a uh, crystal ball. I could tell you that we were going to all um, – put up the numbers we did last year but um you know we're expecting to do better but uh we'll just see how it unfolds but it's a different year um and you can already tell with that extra hitter in there uh, in the lineup it makes a difference so uh just just trying to adjust to that and go out there and just trying to keep making pitches and um you know we'll see where we're at at the end of the year Talking with Brandon Woodruff, uh, Brewers pitcher, joining us on the hotline. Uh, when you guys finally get uh, fans in the stands, you have a normal opening day. Do you breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief because the last two years for you guys have been so tumultuous? Yes. Uh, no, it was nice getting to throw the home opener. Uh, it was packed out. It just felt felt normal. It felt right. Um, and you know what? Hopefully that's the case going forward. And uh, you're right. The last couple of years have been weird. They've been different. Um, and that's just kind of what we've been, we've had to deal with. So, um, yeah, it was, it was definitely a breath of, of fresh air getting to, um, our home open series and, um, seeing a lot of Brewers fans. So it was definitely fun. When I was listening to Andrew McCutcheon describe the the incident, we'll say, when he got hit down in Chicago, and, yeah. and the incident aside, I'm listening to him talk, and I'm thinking to myself, this guy's a vet, he gets it, he's well-spoken when it comes to kind of expressing what guys think inside, you know, careers, clubhouses and such. Has he become, even though he's kind of that DH, but because he's a veteran, he's been there, done that, he become kind of a very quiet leader? Oh, yeah. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say he's he's real quiet but uh, and not, not in a bad way but he's uh he's vocal and he is definitely a uh, a veteran leader and he brings that presence to the clubhouse and, and you're right he's been there he's done that he's been in about every situation he's won an mvp and 
um, just a, a great person and a great ball player. So he brings a lot to the table, and um, we're very lucky to have him. Then you've got a guy like uh, Lorenzo Kane. He's kind of said this might be his last hurrah. Christian Yelich coming off of a couple of subpar performances, but busts out in a big way last night. Both of those guys contributed last night. Does it take one or two games like that to maybe jumpstart some guys to get them going? Because I know last night, watching watching Yelich with his swing, how majestic it was, and he boomed that grand slam. It wasn't like it was just got out. It was gone. Does it, something like that get guys going? Yeah, definitely. Uh... You just never know uh, when things are going to click in a, in a sense. and uh, But, yeah, I mean, it just takes a game or two, and next thing you know, a guy's in a good spot, and they rely on that and uh, just try to get as consistent as possible and, and keep trying to do the right things to uh, be successful. So, yeah, I mean, it just takes it just takes an instance, and you never know when that's going to be. When you uh, outside looking in, when you lose a couple of games early, fans who are salivating for baseball to come back, they start to panic. They start to say, oh, my God, the sky is falling. And in baseball, how difficult is it? Because you're in that clubhouse. You know it's a grind. You know it's a long season. You know one week can turn it around, especially early on in a season. How difficult is it not to start to think in the back of your head that maybe the sky is falling? Or maybe you don't even care. You're just like, you know what? We just got to grind it out. This is the end of our spring training. We go through the dead arm period, through the tired period, the dead leg period. We just got to get through that and keep going. Yeah. I mean, there's there's so much stuff that goes into a full season that um, in terms of you looking at record and stuff, it's. I feel like we've always never really come out of the gate hot, but there's always that instance in the season where we just start playing really, really good baseball and kind of catch fire. And you know what? That's kind of what kind of what every team, you know, if, they, if they're at the top of the division, that's what they're going to do. So um, you look at last year when we had such a big lead at the end of the year and then the Cardinals just called absolute fire winning, I don't know, was it 17, 18 games in a row? And you just never know when that's going to happen. But when you do, you just ride that wave as long as possible. But uh, that's why baseball is is such a uh, a mental sport. Uh, you got to be mentally tough to to grind out 162. It is a long, long year, and uh, I don't think many people realize that. And uh, but yeah, it's a it's a it's a tough, it's a long year. But you just gotta gotta stick with it and stay to your day to day process and just just keep going. How is it using the pitch.com device? Uh, I canned it after about the third inning in Chicago. Um, it went out <laughs> on me in the middle of the inning, and I didn't like it. And um, for that's for me personally. Some other guys still use it, I think. But um, it just it, it brings a, a different element to the game. Yeah, I can see there's some benefits to it, but um, it just, it's it's weird having a little voice in your ear and, and when the crowd gets loud and all that stuff, I'd rather just, you know, be normal and have signs. Now, can you pick the voice or is it like just a standard computerized voice or is it that British um, lady that gives you instructions, yeah. <laughs> directions of your I, GPS or what? I actually think they told us in the spring training that you can record, like if, if we wanted our voice on it, we could record our own voice, you know, on it. So, um, I can't remember. I don't know whose voice it was. It was on it. Somebody on our on our staff. And um, but yeah, it was. Uh, you can record your own voice, I believe, if you wanted to. But it just <laughs> it, it just it was a little a little different. But there are some benefits to it. But um, at the end of the day, I like to be as as normal as possible and 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 just go that way. 
Before I let you go, I got to ask you: Do you do you wish you could still hit? Uh, did you like hitting as a as a National League pitcher? Um, I tell you, it was it was fun. But the the thing when I'm pitching, man, I'm to- totally focused on pitching. And sometimes I'm sitting there on the on the uh, and the, on the bench, and they're like, hey, man, you got to go on. You know, get on deck. You're you know you're about to be up, and you kind of have to lock in on that, but now it's just strictly, you know, worried about pitching and how am I going to make pitches, and um, that's what it strictly comes down to now. But, yeah, I, I mean, I did enjoy getting in the box and hitting because that's something I did as a kid growing up my whole life. And um, But, you know what, it's different. So uh, just got to get, get used to that and uh, roll with that. The cerebral side, I felt, of the National League style of play, I thought was so interesting, not only for the managerial aspect, but for the fans to try to think ahead, obviously, for what it is we do when it comes to second-guessing and such. But I just thought that there was such an art to the National League style, whether it was a pitcher dropping down a sacrifice, a double switch and things. I just thought there was an art to it that now is gone. Yes, I completely agree. That that was one thing uh, that – that I kind of miss about it. You have to think through so many different options and that's where the, the, the chess game comes out. Um, Yeah. There's just so much stuff to, you have to think ahead for. And um, you know what? When we go to the, in the interleague, it kind of takes away the experience of the interleague play. Um, You know, when we go to the AL or um, the AL teams come to us, it just kind of takes that experience away for, for both sides. And um, there was definitely a, um, a lot of a lot of uh, thinking ahead going on, and 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 you know trying to figure things out nationally for sure. I appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Best of luck to you in the near future, and I hope to talk to you again down the road. And if not, we'll see you at the Wisconsin State Fair hopefully in August. Okay? Yes, sir. You sure will. Thank you, guys. All right. Great stuff, Brandon. Appreciate it, buddy. There you go, Brandon Woodruff of your Milwaukee Brewers. Hopefully, he has a good game tomorrow. Pitching the uh, finale of the Pittsburgh series. Brandon, or excuse me, uh, Corbin Burns on the hill tonight for the crew as uh, they take on the Pittsburgh Pirates. Game two of that series. Stay tuned. We're going to take a quick break. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at MKE Brewing. If you're heading downtown tomorrow night, maybe you want to, uh, for the Pfizer Forum to see the box, maybe you want to stop over to MK Brewing only a couple of blocks west of the Fiserv Forum, uh, do a little beer tasting, maybe get a little food ahead of time, then head over to the Deer District, and you are good to go getting into the Fiserv Forum. Or maybe it's just a great place to go and watch the game. Right there on 9th Street, 9th and Highland, right on the corner. Stop by, see our friends over at MKE Brewing. That's MKE Brewing. And uh, you got all kind of good craft beers about ready to come out for the summer months as well. Stay tuned. we got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show wrapping things up coming up next. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome to the Bill Michaels Show. Before we get out of here today, I want to say hi to our friends at Curly's Waterfront Pub and Grill, Lakeview Boulevard in Pewaukee, overlooking the lake, and they've got a big selection of brews and cocktails and fresh-made food, bands, ticket giveaways, all that kind of good stuff to all your favorite teams, raffles, charity nights. Go to curlyswaterfrontpub.com or follow them on Facebook. That's curlyswaterfrontpub.com. Also, uh, I want to say hi to our friends at Stoley's Hog Alley. Now, they are under construction. By the way, um, uh, Jeff uh, and Alicia out there, 
They want to let you know that they've got a big event coming up where they're going to raffle off stuff from the old bar. So if you're looking for neon signs, if you're looking for just signs in general, some of those tins, all that stuff. Got to go, got to go, got to go. They're going to raffle all that stuff off. So um, stop out to, Sto- or to uh, Stoley's Hog Alley and uh, get in on that. Good stuff there. Uh, so tonight coming up on the uh, – not on the program, but tonight coming up, you've got some NBA basketball. Bucks off tonight, back at it again tomorrow, but you've got the Hawks and the Heat. And as we had talked about a little bit earlier, the Timberwolves uh, and what form of protest is going to take place this evening, we'll have to wait and see. But they're on the road taking on the Memphis Grizzlies, the Pelicans, uh, who trail this series against the Suns one game to none. That's the late game tonight, 9 o'clock uh, on TNT. In the meantime, Major League Baseball, the Brewers tonight back at it down at American Family Field. J.T. Brubaker. J.T. Brubaker on the hill tonight uh, for the uh, for the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates. And Corbin Burns on the hill. Still winless on the season, even though he's pitched pretty well. Uh, still winless, but he goes to the hill tonight for the uh, for the Brewers with that 225 ERA. Pitching pretty stellar. Uh, elsewhere in the National League Central, you've got the Reds. They're on the road. Uh, they have lost seven straight against the Padres coming up tonight. And uh, San Martin goes to the hill tonight against Musgrove for uh, for the Padres. In the meantime, you got St. Louis on the road in Miami taking on the Marlins. Adam Wainwright on the hill against Luzardo this evening. And then the Cubs are hosting the Tampa Bay Rays. The Cubs are at home uh, at Wrigley. Justin Steele on the hill against Matt Weisler uh, tonight. So you've got all of that going on in the National League Central. Everybody's pretty much in action. Full slate of games, although the White Sox were postponed in Cleveland already today. A lot of the weather that we had yesterday has made its way towards Cleveland and into the uh, upper eastern portion of the seaboard. And so uh, some games being affected by inclement weather. You've got the Washington Nationals, by the way, uh, already in action today. 2-1, to one, leading the Diamondbacks. That game is in the sixth inning. But uh, that other game between the White Sox and uh, the Guardians over in Cleveland has been postponed because uh, of all the weather we had here yesterday with the snow and the blech, and they're getting the back end of that, plus some lake effect. So that game has basically been snowed out. So that'll do it. So uh, tomorrow, on the, who we got tomorrow on the program, Ben? Anybody in particular? Sam Monson from Pro Football Focus oh, to talk good stuff. various draft and what you were talking about yesterday, the craziness so gonna, of where contracts yeah. have gone. Yeah, um, and we were talking about that earlier, too. Like, if you are the Packers right now and you've been kind of holding off and, and maybe thinking about restructuring um, Jair, I mean, with the, the way the, the salaries have gotten so crazy, so crazy in terms of corners, wide receivers. It's not just quarterbacks that are getting this huge money. And teams like Cleveland, it really kind of screwed it up for everybody. But, man, it's uh, you talk about kind of the craziness right now in the NFL. So we're going to get into that discussion tomorrow and see if maybe, maybe the coagulation happens regarding salaries in the NFL rather than the bloodletting that's begun. How do you like that? For using the word coagulation there, Ben. Hmm. I, I want to retract earlier statements. And for my example, the woman who tried to glue her hand to the court, the glue <laughs> never coagulated. Coagulated properly. You are correct. You wait till it cools a bit and begins to coagulate. <laughs> there you go. Oh, that's good stuff.
Good stuff. So, anyway, that being said, uh, we'll be back at it again tomorrow. Hopefully the Brewers get a win tonight. We'll talk more about that tomorrow. Talk some NFL draft and salaries escalating in the uh, National Football League. That's coming up. Also, we'll get you ready for the Bucks and the Bulls game two down at the Fiserv Forum coming up tomorrow night as well. Off to meetings now and uh, doing some good stuff. Charitable meetings, which are always great. Love that. And then uh, back home and then going to sit back, relax, uh, get a beverage, and uh, watch the Brewers. That's coming up a little bit later on tonight. So good night tonight. Until we talk again 20 hours from now, that'll do it. Time for us to go. Have a going. The Bill Michaels Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.